0: Welcome to 15 Minutes of Problem-Solving Discussion with Fred Kuhn and our next guest.
1: Welcome, everybody. I'm very excited to have you today because this focus and the next three podcasts will be focused on military transition. We have an expert guest who is going to walk us through this, and he and I are going to have conversations about this subject. His name is Tom Wolfe. Tom is a recognized expert in the field of military to civilian transition. He was a senior partner in this career development corporation. He's a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, and he has been a service warfare officer in the Navy. Completed tours of duty as a flag aide, and he is published in Military.com, Civilian News, Job News, Stars and Stripes, GI Jobs, TAO Online, or TA Online, and Veterans of Modern Warfare. So Tom Wolf, thank you for joining and working with us today on the U.S. at Work. Thank you very much, Fred. It's my pleasure to be uh,
0: part of this, and thank you for in- inviting me to participate in your podcast series, an excellent series of podcasts available through the USA at
1: Work podcast, and I'm happy to be a part of it. I also want to say for our guests who are listening, our military guests, uh, members who are listening, uh, Tom has a wonderful book. I have reviewed the book. I won't. I'll, may do that in another podcast, but this book is a must-have in your library. It's called Out of Uniform, Your Guide to a Successful Military to Civilian Career Transition. It's a wonderful book, and we're going to take some of Tom's ideas today, and we're going to plow through them. So, Tom, I'm a military member, service member, and I'm thinking about getting out. Let's start there.
0: What do I need to do? I believe the most important thing for you, that person you're describing, is to force themselves to do the self-analysis necessary to figure out at the end of the day what really matters to them, what's important, what do they care about. There is a misconception among many career transitioners and job seekers that when you delineate or list your needs and your wants, they get commingled, and that's a big mistake. There's a difference between what you need and what you want. And many people who fail at the job search transition, they tend to focus on what they want and to the exclusion of what they need, and the end result is they'll end up in the wrong job. So a way to get started would be to force yourself to list what's important to you, what do you care about, at the end of the day, what really matters? Uh, that's a great place to start.
1: Yes, it is. We also do that here at Stuart, Cooper & Coon. And the, the thing that we, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's, it's the same question whether you're 10 or whether you're 50. What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm about to ask that of some very senior flag level officers in a couple of weeks. And I'm going to ask them the same question. What matters to you? What's important? What do you want to be? What do you want to try to do? What makes you happy? You know, I want to interview you, but I want to share also with our audience listening. There are several factors that are important in transitioning and understanding what Tom Wolf just said, and that is the drivers are challenge, fit, happy factor, geography, and money. So you prioritize those as part of this process, right, Tom? Absolutely. That is so well stated And once you have identified
0: your version of those factors, then you also have to recognize the importance of putting them
1: in the proper sequence in terms of importance. So in preparation, Tom, what we're looking for is you must begin to discover who you are, why they should hire you, and what's important about you. What skills do you have? What do you bring to the table? I mean, is that the next step or am I jumping ahead too much? No, uh, you're you're right, right in
0: step. This is not easy for military service members to do. This is not natural to them. And here's why. In the military, we are trained that the individual is secondary to the team. We are trained that the most important thing you can do is actions, not words. Keep your mouth shut. Don't rock the boat. Don't talk about yourself. Don't pat yourself on the back. It's hard for us to get out of that mentality, but. Because we ultimately must become salespeople when we are in transition, we must identify a need, which would be our job, and fill that need with us. If you don't understand what you are bringing to the table, what your strengths and talents are, it's impossible for you to describe yourself in such a way that would make any potential employer see you in the job. One exercise that I always recommend to my clients as they're preparing to transition is, as your day goes on throughout the day, throughout the year, whether it's informal or formal, you will frequently be patted on the back, verbally, physically, you'll be complimented. Someone will say to you, good job. They'll say, you did that well. Maybe you'll even recognize that yourself. Wow, I did a good job today. And then you stop. Well. From now on, from this podcast forward, please don't stop. Sit down and say, wow, I did do that well. Now ask yourself a question. How did I do it well? What skill set, what talent, what attribute did I put into play that helped me do that job and do it to the point where someone recognized my talent and complimented me on that? Now, the second phase of that, if you can also say to yourself, okay, I was good at that task, I did it well, and here's why. The second part is, and did I also enjoy it? Did it bring me joy? Did it make me happy? Did I feel satisfaction? And if the answer is yes, write down the reasons why. On the other hand, if either of those self-knowledge questions produce no, write down why you were not effective at it even though other people thought you were and or write down why it did or did not make you happy because your next job the right job for you is going to be a job at which you will excel and from which you will get a, an acceptable level of satisfaction and you'll do it in such a situation that you'll take care of your needs and the needs
1: of your family let me supplement what you just said there, I, this is not unique to the military. As you know, I work with C-level executives day in and day out, and my team does. And one of the hardest things we have to do, Tom, is to get them to differentiate between I and we. The senior leaders in the, uh, running companies in this country came from a time when it was all about team. You never mentioned, your. you always were, had it drummed in. It's not about you, it's about the team. Well, the fact is, If you can be fired for it, put in jail for it, castigated for it, sued for it, demoted for it, or generally uh, other negative things, it's I. It isn't we, it's I. And the rest of it in constructing that I-we statement of what you said, how to tell your story, you must be able to buck up and say, I put a team together that And the results were, and we as a team did the following. I directed so and so. You have to weave that in and out. So the responsibility for leadership of that team lies with you. The activities of leadership management and the behavioral competencies of uh, building teams, and that can be we, the work ethic can be we, but the I is, hey, buck stops here. They fire me for bad results, not you as a team. So that's absolutely right what you're saying. Well, it's it, it's the old adage, you know,
0: if this mission fails, and if I am the leader, it's my responsibility that we failed. If this mission Correct. succeeds, we get the credit. I once compiled a list of reasons why people get rejected uh, in an interview situation, and on that list, there are two interesting bullets. One says, the candidate exhibited too much I and not enough we, but right next to that is the candidate exhibited
1: too much we and not enough I. It's tricky. Balance, and it takes practice, and you have to really work on it. This is not something you can wing. You really do have to think through this. What is the I portion? What is the we portion? How do I weave that story so everybody is clear on what was what? Okay, so... We're still on self-knowledge because we're talking about how to explore you, me, or whomever the job seeker is. What other things do they need to think about when they're developing self-knowledge? I think it's, it's we had touched on this earlier, so I think this is a,
0: a good segue. Most people know the importance of filters in our daily lives. You know, We have, we mm-hmm. have filters in our cars. We have filters in our coffee pot In addition, we all use filters because filters, our primary usage is to get rid of the bad stuff. That's a positive. It narrows down the field. But in that same time we're picking up that positive, we're picking up a negative. It reduces the flow. So as you're thinking about what's important to you, as you're trying to figure out the next step in your professional career, as you identify your needs, You should also, I don't want to discount the importance of identifying your wants. They are important, but your wants come in secondary to your needs. You've got to be able to take each of those wants, perhaps your needs, and say, all right, are any of these must haves? Are any of these non negotiable? Mm -hmm. And then the the tricky part is, and, and I'm surprised frequently how often people don't understand this, it comes down to this when you are applying filters to a system, when do you apply the most critical filter? Do you apply it at the beginning or do you apply it at the end?
1: Hmm.
0: Interesting. It, A it, lot of it people is, tend it. to apply it at the end, but then it's too late. You apply it at the beginning. For example, if my job search says my special needs child can only get the type of educational support that he needs in Kansas City, and only Kansas City, Or if my mother-in-law is ill and we must live near her to take care of her in Kansas City, Kansas City is your most critical filter. So you apply that at the beginning of your job search, not at the end, because if it doesn't pass through the geography filter, you don't even need to know about it. So part of your self-knowledge is also not only understanding what makes you tick and who you are and What's in your head and what's in your heart and what's in your gut and what's going to come out of your mouth, you also have to understand the importance of prioritizing and filtering
1: in the proper sequence. And that's just exactly what we were talking about a few minutes earlier that is, challenge, fit, happy factor, geography, and money. If yes, you, if you, if you right, after the, right after the great deration, I call it, of 2008, money was a big factor. A lot of people got wiped out. So, that became the number one factor. They had to reconstitute their portfolios. They had to reconstitute their investments. As that drifted away and we got into better times, as now, there are other considerations. Well, I want to be happy. Where can I be happy? What makes me happy? All the same kind of questions you're asking. So, you ask the questions relative to those five filters, as you said, the filter of geography. I've had a number of clients say exactly what you did, Tom Wolf, and that is my wife's mother and father are aging. One of them has. Alzheimer's we have to live in, and it could be Kansas City, Des Moines, Iowa, it could be anywhere. And so that really is one filter that's very critical. What are the life needs that are surrounding that? And if family is a life need, geography is going to drive some of that.
0: So that's absolutely true. Yes. And I think this can also tie to another recommended part of the, I'm thinking about the next step in my professional career. What should I be thinking about and what should I be doing? People will frequently mm-hmm. ask me, Tom, what about timing? How far in advance should I start to develop my network? How far in advance should I be making my social media presence available? How far in advance should I be putting myself out there for interviews? Well, there really is no set answer to that. There are phases. There are things that you can do when you've got two months left in the military, and you can do those same things when you've got two years left in the military. There are other Mm -hmm. things that if you do them at the two year point, you're wasting your time because nobody cares. You need to get yourself down to a much shorter timeline. So, what I tell my people is this take the amount of time you have between today and your best guess or targeted or perhaps confirmed last day in the military. Take that total amount of time and divide it into thirds. Take the furthest out third and focus on mental preparations, self-knowledge predominant among them. Take the second third, and focus on mechanical preparations, things that we all do in theory, they come out equally so they shouldn't matter, but in the end, they do matter. And take the final third, and focus on the actual generation of face-to-face time with a potential employer, otherwise known as interviewing.
1: Well, that's probably a very good place to stop this podcast today, but we will pick this up in a subsequent series of three other podcasts with Tom Wolfe, who is an author, columnist, career coach, veteran, academy graduate, and expert in the field of military and civilian transition. Just as a footnote here, Tom Wolf has assisted thousands of members, service members, in their transition and placing them in more than 3,000 new jobs. Tom Wolf, thank you, and we'll see you in the very next podcast. Fred, again, thank you so much for um, honoring me with the invitation to appear on this podcast. Have a great day. You too.
0: Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcooperkoon.com.
1: See you soon.